Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. Uh, I'm one of the hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. I am one of the hosts. My name is Caleb Shively, host number one. <laughs> God damn it. You know, in all the time we've been doing this podcast, I never called host number one, and you just fucking did it, dude, like a genius. Well, you get to go first, so it's like a evens out if I get to be host number one. I also call host A. Oh, fuck, dude. Oh, shit. <laughs> I want to be, I call host X. That's cool. We have A and X, we X, man. <laughs> so welcome, welcome to, to Actually the Best show. Choice Movies. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on host number one doing the intro to the, um, here, every week on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk about two movies, theoretically, they're both good movies, um, although sometimes we deviate from that a little bit. Uh, this week, we're talking about two movies that fit together i would say like like a perfectly balanced ecosystem caleb would 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 you say that uh perfectly balanced in a highbrow lowbrow sense that one is up high browed and one is like i don't know it might be too lowbrow for other how i'm getting ahead of myself but one's a documentary and one is a poly shore movie <laughs> <laughs> um i usually say the names of the movies in this part of the show right yeah uh, Right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I I can't remember. I feel like we haven't recorded an episode in like ten years. Like I, I feel like I completely have forgotten how to do this. Like the <laughs> world is still falling apart. Like all I'm thinking about lately is like how to make a mask. Like that's really the main thing that's taking up my mental energy. You have to measure your ears. Yeah, that's a big part of it. So the two movies we're talking about this week are the new Hulu documentary Spaceship Earth and then the nineteen ninety one uh Pauly Shore vehicle uh biodome. <laughs> movies which are honestly 96 96 fuck dude that makes it so much worse that it's from 96 because this movie was from 91 it would be kind of good but since it's from 96 it sucks so that's all this week on actually best choice movies movies Uh, but before we get to any of that, um, we have sort of made some permanent changes to the show, which I don't necessarily need to call out, but instead of talking about the movies that we've seen this week, um, we're trying to do other things, other movie related things. And I don't know if we're looking for like one segment that's going to stick or if we're just going to do different things all the time. Um, Caleb, what do you think? What, what's happening? We might go back to one in a, once in a while, uh, but which, you know, experimenting if anything, we are explorers on the forefront of the great experiment that is internet podcasting and just, you know, trying stuff. You know, what's so crazy is that is exactly how I describe myself. Basically anytime I'm asked to describe myself is internet explorers on the forefront of internet podcasting and stuff. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's, that's it. That's how I, that's how I describe myself. What, tell us what we're doing. this. Okay. Week, so, we're doing Spaceship Earth, which is about the Biosphere project in the early 90s. It's a documentary about that. Uh, and we're doing Biodome, which is the parody. I don't even know if you could call it a parody. The movie that was a comedy that was based off of that same idea. So it's like basically the same two things, uh, movies that come to mind when you describe something. 
and that is its own phenomena, uh, and that is called twin films. Uh, there's a whole Wikipedia entry about twin films that dates back to, uh, to like the early 1930s uh, as far. But we wanted to uh, give you uh, a couple examples and you know do a little rapid fire, actually best choice movie between uh, the two 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 movies. Uh, and a lot of them come out at the same time, same year. Uh, which is, you know, well, I cool. think to me that that is what really <laughs> makes it a twin film. Like you can't have twin films that are separated in time because then they're just like mm-hmm. you were aware of the other film. What makes it weird and interesting is that they like always come out in the same year or like one year and then the ones the next year. It's just like because you because you're like, what is the deal? Like, is it that people have the same ideas at the same time? Is it the zeitgeist? Are people hearing what about one movie is in development and then stealing the idea? And I think their it's own knockoff I think it's version? that. Yeah. Or like all. <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> is, is, is that? Uh, I think there was that famous there? example of uh, the DreamWorks studio hearing that Pixar was developing a Bugs movie and then rushing out Ants uh, to Theatas, uh, which I thought Ants sucked and I liked Bugs Life. Ants is the one with Woody Allen? Is and uh, the Bugs Life is the one with Dave Foley. That's so yeah. fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. That's so really f- crazy. <laughs> Dave Foley in this prestigious movie career in the, in the 90s. This is like all the money that went to his ex-wife. Like, is he actually broke? That Like, that's yeah, the man. joke about him all the time is that he's broke, but he seems like it's not a joke. Yeah. He did have to, uh, like, take some shit roles. Uh, I think he was in Monkey Bone. Hey, that's a good movie. Don't we're like a, everybody knows Monkey Bone is a good movie. Oh uh, yeah, uh, classic Catan. Classic Catan. It is. It, do you actually not think Monkey Bone is a good movie? Uh, I I remember liking actually Chris Catan in it, but uh, like it's a Brendan Fraser movie. It's good. It's a good movie. <laughs> monkey Bone. Sorry, Kitty. Be right back after I choke my monkey. Anyway, we're like way off track. Like, do you? So we're gonna just talk about twin movies. Like, we're gonna rapid fire A B. Have to decide which is better between these twin movies. And honestly, the number of them will be shocking because there are so many. Okay, I'll start off. 1985, uh, teen mad scientist movies, Weird Science, and Real Genius. Real Genius, 100%. I this is actually one of the ones I was looking at when you sent me this link earlier today, and I was like, that's a controversial pick, but I stand by it 100%. Uh, Val Kilmer makes popcorn from space. Yeah, I would say Weird Science is the more popular. Yeah, uh, I like. I would say uh, Real Genius is the funnier movie. It holds up later, uh, but Weird Science uh, has more memorable boner scenes for. Yeah, teenagers. I mean, I did watch the television <laughs> series version of Weird Science that was on USA. USA um, it yeah. did have hot, hot, hot chicks in it, but also it was actually like a pretty good show. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, and I'm also a big fan of Bill Paxton in Weird Science. I think that's like one of the great. Uh, yeah, he's great. He's antagonists great. Uh, or just side characters in any movie is uh, how great Bill Paxton is. Okay, so 1986, An American Tale or The Great Mouse Detective? Uh, that's got to be five, An American Tale, uh, which is a Spielberg uh, produced joint. Uh, took down the mouse house with that one. I don't think the Great Mouse Detective is even on Disney Plus. No, it definitely is on Disney Plus, which I know because it's one of it was one of my favorite movies when I was a little kid. The Great Mouse Detective. What do you go um, with it? Although I will say I have to pick 
an American tale because like, come on, it's like unwatchable now. Like yeah. I liked it when I was like five years old. I was a fucking little kid. I didn't know what I was talking about. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> sure, like, sure, it's yeah. bad. It's not good. There's so many good songs. It's all about immigration. Uh, American tale is such a real, is a really, really good movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's a classic and it looks beautiful. It's very emotional and it touches on a lot of important issues. It's, it's a good thing to show to your children. It's not like a dumb mouse Sherlock Holmes thing. Uh, let's go ahead to, uh, probably an easy easier one uh 1989 the buddy cop dog film that came out of turner and hooch versus k9 this is actually not easy at all caleb i think this is very hard i know that you i'm supposed to say (laughs) turner and hooch because it's tom hanks but like i have to tell you as a kid i had a really soft spot for the movie k9 and i think i watched several times uh again probably turner and hooch is the better movie but in this case i'm gonna go with nostalgia and say k9 interesting jim belushi (laughs) Yeah, the Belush one. Uh, I remember uh, like Turner and Hooch, which I pick is the better one, also had like uh, uh, Craig T. Nelson and uh, Carl Winslow. Uh, but yeah, I'm going Turner and Hooch. I can't even, I think there was like shittier sequels to uh, K9. Like uh, I believe there was called K911. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I mean, I liked it. What can I say? It worked on me, you know? Um Let's skip way into the future and go to 1993 between Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Ooh, both about Wyatt Earp. Uh, I'm trying to think now, even between them. Or another, but 1993 and 1994, Uh actually. Sorry, excuse me. They're not both 1993. Uh, I think Wyatt Earp was the Costner one. I know Val Kilmer was in Tombstone, but who was the uh, lead? Kurt Russell. Oh, damn. Damn, Tombstone was more popular. Tombstone was uh, was one of, it was was two VHS tapes, and I used to watch it with my dad sometimes. And also I would watch it on like TBS if it came on TV. Like this movie fucking slaps <laughs> tombstone is the best thing val kilmer has so many fucking cool one-liners um kurt russell i mean kurt russell you just picked a movie that didn't star kurt russell like in 2020 like what are you talking about yeah. like he I do love kurt. we all know that he's one of the best actors of the 20th it's, century and 21st it's true i just rewatched the thing yeah. again recently it's great. it's great uh he says at one point val kilmer as what well, as uh, doc holiday the um drug addled person who's also dying of tuberculosis he's got his guns out and the, the bad guy says uh you're probably seeing double and valcomer goes i have two guns one for each of you that's fucking good that's good stuff man that's good action movie stuff damn i'm looking at like both of these casts and they're both pretty stacked like uh tombstone also has sam elliott bill paxton powers booth uh, and then White Earp got, uh, I guess you have to uh, rustle over Costner every time. But uh, White Earp also has Gene Hackman. I guess that's really it. Uh, Gene Hackman, Mark Harmon is uh, Michael Madsen's is highly billed. <laughs> Michael Madsen. Yeah, I, mean, I think great. it should be too. always great. But... Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. uh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll hit you with I'll hit you with uh, both bad but both great of of the erotic uh, stripper dramas of 1995's showgirls and striptease Ooh, gosh i mean you gotta <laughs> say showgirls i mean is that any competition yeah. at all between these two movies like showgirls is an absolute like bonkers classic i mean this is like how i've seen a- showgirls yeah multiple times uh as it's a uh, paul verhoeven movie oh uh and you're just trying to wrap your mind around that guy but i don't even know who directed uh 
striptease. Maybe I don't want to know. It's based on a Carl Hyacinth book. You know, it stars Demi Moore. Like she famously has her tits out in this movie and she has like huge fake tits for some reason Mm -hmm. in this movie. I remember Um, Burt Reynolds is kind of funny in it, but like not supposed to be funny. This movie actually does not hold up, really. I actually tried to watch it recently because I was like, doesn't to me more ever tits out in this movie? <laughs> so I was trying to watch it, but I was like, oh, God, it's just really bad, honestly. And I mean, I'm from Florida. It's based on a Carl Hyacinth book. Like, I want to like it, but I, I do not. I'm tempted to take us all the way to, I think I'm just going to do it. I mean, let's get to, let's get to, let's fucking get to it, Caleb. Dante's Peak or Volcano. Oh, this is one of the classic twin film scenarios to me. This yeah. is from uh, 1997. This is the, this is one of the two I think of when I think of this phenomenon. And sure. it's and they're completely random subjects. A fucking volcano. Like what the fuck? <laughs> uh, disaster volcano movies. I'm trying to even remember. I think I remember Dante's Peak more, uh, but I don't know if that makes it better. I just remember it more because these are either movies I both watched once. I think. Uh, and I remember uh, I watched Dante's Peak, probably liked it better as a young person because of uh, Pierce Brosnan was James Bond at the time. <laughs> right, yes. And Volcano, which is a worse title. It's just the word, Volcano. And it also doesn't at all tell you what the movie is about. Yeah. Even close to the way Dante's Peak does. <laughs> and I think that was, uh, that, I mean, that was Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, I think I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick with Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak, because you got Pierce Brosnan, and it actually literally is a peak, but it's a volcano. <laughs> and they're trying to say stop the volcano. I don't know, something like that, right? <laughs> Save everybody from the volcano. Are, I don't know. Absolutely ridiculous movies. Uh, and the other one is Tommy Lee Jones, and he's trying to. Los Angeles is going to get swallowed by lava, basically. Like, but it, but like from underneath, yeah. as far as I remember. Uh, and I think isn't uh, Anne Heche in that movie also? Isn't the cast like right now. Anne Heche, uh, big... uh, daughter of yeah. Tom Lee Jones, is your favorite Gabby Hoffman. Fucking hate uh, her. I fucking hate Keith her. David, Don Cheadle. <laughs> uh, ooh, John Carroll Lynch, one of my favorite character actors, is in this movie. He plays. A... I you got to say volcano is what I'm leading up to. You got to uh-huh. say volcano. It's this volcano is you could actually watch it. I think Dante's Peak you literally could not watch. Uh, it. I am re- looking through this Wikipedia page. Uh, it was a golden nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award in the category of Worst Reckless Disregard for Human Life and Public Property, which is something, I guess. Why is that a fucking Razzie? Who gives a <laughs> shit? The Razzies are like prudes now. Like they don't want to see action I know. sequences. Fuck, uh, <laughs> like, what? Um, I, I, I learned yeah, recently that the Razzies, Razzies nominated The Shining uh, back in uh, the very first Razzie Awards, which is it's like, oh, wow, the Razzies don't mean a damn thing. Yeah, so do you want to get started? Um, we'll start with the good movie first, though, right? Or yes, gonna, yeah. the one that brought us here. Yes. So the first movie we're going to talk about is a streaming documentary. It's on Hulu. It's from this year, 2020. It's called Spaceship Earth. As I look at my sphere two and I'm ready to enter, I take my last breaths of this atmosphere for two years. We were pioneers. We were the first biospherians. How can you prepare yourself for journey into the unknown? A biosphere is a closed system with plants and animals and the atmospheres all inside. We called it Biosphere 2 because Biosphere 1 is the Earth. Spaceship Earth is a buzzy new streaming documentary from director Matt Wolf about the extremely buzzy 
early 1990s experiment, Biosphere 2, where eight uh, people who call themselves Biospherians uh, locked themselves in a self-contained environment for two years. Um, why in the world did someone do that? Um, what were the goals and what were the results? And didn't a bunch of things go wrong? And what were they? And whose fault were they? And how did, how did they happen? Um, I, I, you're not going to find the answer to those questions in this film at all. And lots of other questions that you might have. Um, Wolf, uh, he's made a bunch of other documentaries. This is his eighth or ninth film. Uh, they're all basically, they focus on musicians, artists, teenagers, and like other rebels. Like he's interested in rebels. Uh, so that's kind of what this movie is. It's um, exploring the emotional lives of a bunch of weirdos, these people that uh, organize this biosphere experiment and somehow convince the rest of the world that this thing that they did, like locking themselves in a glass house in Arizona was like the most important thing that had ever happened. <laughs> and they convinced the entire world of this like very successfully. I don't know. I mean, I'm 37. I remember this very well. It was like one of the biggest things that happened in the world. But I, you know, I'm not usually a fan of streaming documentaries. You know, um, they're usually big on promise and short on delivery. And usually they're like way, way too long. But this one seemed interesting to me. And I will say I'm very glad that it is a movie and not a series, which I bet they could have. I don't know why it isn't. Honestly, in 2020, I don't know why it isn't. But I'm like very thankful because it goes on as long, long enough as it is. It's like two hours. Um I'm not exactly sure this is a movie that's going to make me completely reverse my opinion about streaming documentaries in general, though. Uh, Caleb, what what did you think of this movie? Um, you know, it uh, didn't really deliver on uh, my expectations, but, you know, those are my expectations. Uh, I'm supposed to check those at the door. But, you know, I expected to learn some things. Of, I was a child when this happened, so uh, I wanted to know some answers. But I got some answers, but more it was... Like the spaceship Earth didn't indulge itself in like the nitty gritty of what actually uh, was going on in there. Uh, I don't know, and that's by design, probably to some effects, which we'll get into. Uh, but it was more uh, the overall, uh, I think, uh, yeah, a reflection of how the people who were involved felt about being in there. Like right, you said, his right. other documentaries are about artists, and uh, he spends a lot, like the first hour of the movie talking about their theater and artistic ingenious backgrounds, which is very interesting. So what Caleb just said is true. It's not until an hour into this movie that they go to the biosphere. <laughs> it's fucking movie that is theoretically about the biosphere. It doesn't come up until halfway through the movie. And then honestly, it doesn't last all the way to the end. It's maybe only like 40 minutes of the movie. Or is it actually about the actual biosphere, which is yeah. kind of fucking crazy, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. What you were saying, like, I, I thought it, I expected to learn something about the biosphere and what happened, but I didn't, I didn't learn anything. I mean, I did, obviously they do, they get, they literally do have footage from inside the biosphere and stuff, but like, I don't know. Somehow I still didn't feel like I really learned anything about it. Well, it is, uh, uh, actually in theaters right now <laughs> uh, in the sense that is it, where go, is it in theaters? Uh, I've, I've seen this at like drive through any theaters oh, wow. that are like doing that drive through. They're actually showing I mean, a documentary, which is kind of ridiculous. So the but, thing yeah. about it is like the reason, or no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say it's distributed by uh, Neon, who uh, has done a great job, uh, won an Oscar for Parasite last year. Uh, they've uh, uh, other great documentaries they've done recently, Amazing Grace from Aretha Franklin and the Apollo 11 documentary. So they, they're they a great uh, Honeyland, which is one of my favorite documentaries of last year. Uh, they do a great job with uh, distribution, distribution, 
<laughs> yeah, that's how you say that word. Good job. Um, yeah, okay, that's that's true. Yeah, I guess. Well, what I was going to say was like, <laughs> that sounded so dickish. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said it that way. I don't know. That was just, I just sounded like a huge douche. I don't know why. I just didn't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I do apologize. It was very <laughs> They are good at distribution. I just didn't know what else to say about it, you know. Uh, but yeah, getting back into this spaceship Earth, uh, not ev- all of the eight people in the biodome. There's probably like ten main people, and they maybe got like half of those people to be in this. Maybe a little bit more. They got a good chunk of the important and people. There was like, dead. let's speak to that real quick. Uh, the guy who died uh, is the guy who said, uh, "I will live to be 120 years old." <laughs> Yeah, not to laugh about someone dying, but like, come on. <laughs> you don't. Uh, he was he was like he was like in charge of nutrition, and he designed their diets so that they were eating so little food that they were almost starving to death. Because this is yeah. how he thought he was going to live to 120, <laughs> and it turned out it just put them all in a terrible mood, and they were in like fighting with each other all the time. Um, I mean, uh, it's definitely it, it's interesting in a certain. I mean, it's it's an interesting story, and I think what is enticing about this movie it's got this really cool looking like image for it where it's all the biospherians and these crazy outfits that they're wearing and and standing in front of the biosphere and it's like it's like the aesthetics of this movie are fantastic you know it's so early 90s futurism that it's it's very on point for right now very um vaporwave but but the movie is not stylish you think maybe it's going to be stylish at the beginning but it's really not it doesn't lean into being stylish um, and it, it's just kind of like, yeah, like a portrait of these rebels. Cause basically the idea is they were like, it's like basically an experimental theater troupe from the 1960s yeah, somehow got connected with a billionaire. And then they got to do all this crazy shit all over the world, including making this fucking biosphere. <laughs> it's so uh, weird. I mean, I did not know that. Did you? I didn't know any of that. I, did, I didn't know that. And before they made the biosphere, they made their own ship and captured it around the world, which is they show the whole making of the ship. And that is absolutely insane. The part where they make the ship, I thought that was so fucking nuts because it was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like these, because they are literally like an experimental theater troupe. And then they're like, so then we decided to build a ship. And they're not building like, a little like a boat they're building like like a fucking oil tanker and you're like wait wait what in the world how is this happening and you do not get an answer to that they just do it you know and they actually it actually works uh but the way they build to that uh and and this is part of the movie where uh, where spaceship earth doesn't really uh dig deeper than what you want is that they kind of insinuate that they might have cultish aspects to the whole endeavor like they're at the Synergia Ranch is where they is their meetup area. It's like a ranch in New Mexico that an eccentric guy who, for all intents and purposes, seems like a really great guy. His name's John Allen. He's the uh, head of these people. Uh, but he's just like a guy who loves theater and wants people to act in a the theater. Uh, like when he was uh, picking the biosphere scientist, he says he wants people to not be followers. <laughs> So they're picking people for this biosphere, which is basically like they're treating it like as if you're going on a mission to space. And literally the way he selected them was through an experimental theater exercise. Yes. <laughs> you're like, what the, fuck? what the fuck? And I did like that they showed some of the news uh, questioning that. And I think that overall was the most interesting stuff in the movie was the uh, whole uh, news aspect of it, like how the when the, the film hits these notes of the media wants this to fail and that coverage of the biosphere is all about black or white. They're not giving them any leeway either way. The film at its best, I think, hits on this is uh, a message of this is how the media always treats people trying to be idolistic. 
and that the media always kind of says science is boring. Let's be cynical about it. Uh, and it does offer that uh, perspective in fleeting glances. And that's probably through the their own bias of uh, the filmmaker himself as he's uh, getting this information from the participants of the movie. I actually think this, this what you're talking about here is one of the most, int- it's one of the most interesting things about the movie in a certain way, because so to make a movie like this, right, you need the cooperation of all these people. Okay. And, and you have to spend a lot of time like, you know, emailing with them and like hanging out with them. And you have to like, you know, they kind of have to believe you're going to, treat their story in a way that you know that they're going to be happy with right and to a certain extent like you kind of do have to do that when you make a movie like this i mean you don't, you don't have to but it's like you're kind of talking to them and you're getting them to open up and the way you're doing that is by like agreeing with them if you know what i mean because otherwise they won't they, you know they won't talk to you right um and you want them to come to the premiere and blah 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 all this stuff you know but like what these people were doing was also kind of crazy. So the movie does this trick where all it, it basically is completely positive towards the idea of the biosphere, but then it will play news clips pointing out obvious things that are crazy about it. And you're like, yes. and at first you're like, Oh, these reporters are being so mean. And then you're like, Oh wait, no, that yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And then um, they, then they'll cut back to the subjects being like, oh, the media hated us. So it's like, you can see how you could have the criticisms of them and have them still like the movie. You know, like you can do that kind of square that circle. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like the movie should be a little more critical of it because you, we just don't really learn about like what's crazy about this biosphere or like why, you know, why in the world they did it in the first place or like what came out of it. And there's a whole part we aren't really talking about, which is comes towards the end, I guess. But like, it, it ends up that oh, Steve yeah. Bannon is the CEO of Biosphere. Yeah, the epilogue of this, after after they leave, is that the corporation gets sold, and the head of it becomes Steve fucking Bannon, basically to uh, prove that climate change isn't real. I guess that's what he was trying to do. Well, no, I mean the movie just says that basically, like he. I mean, it's and it's so funny given the way he's become so famous with Donald Trump, but basically. At the time, he was a guy from Goldman Sachs, and he was with a bunch of Wall Street bankers, and they just wanted to make as much money in as small amount of time as possible with this biosphere. Because the yeah. whole thing had been funded by this billionaire who comes from this oil family. They're like the fourth richest family in the world. And he had been you know, hypnotized by John Allen, and he had been spending hundreds of millions of dollars for decades mm-hmm. to support all of his projects and basically they just had a big argument and they broke up and then you know the billionaire appointed steve bannon to like strip the thing and make money out of it but it was basically just a fuck you to john allen right it also speaks to uh since it, the biosphere went from this group of idealists to steve bannon it does speak to like their actual intent too which is they were trying to uh their the reason for starting the the biosphere was concern over global warming uh, which is a thing they were very into in as early as the uh, 70s, uh, 60s, they were uh, concerned about global warming, which is like very cool because now that's a very real thing we all need to be very concerned about. Uh, and even they shout out uh, a movie that I, maybe we should have done in retrospect, uh, Silent Running, the show a clip of Silent Running, which is about uh, them building a uh, biodome in space that actually works. Uh, and it's uh, one of the best Bruce Dern performances because he's one of our best actors. They they show clips from it in in this movie. But very environmentalist. It's a very environmentalist big movie. Uh, they always say that was the uh, biggest inspiration for Wally too was a uh, silent running, which I always thought was kind of cool. 
Well, so I think this movie suffers from a very common problem with all of these streaming documentaries and streaming documentary series, which is that they spend a lot of time making you think something interesting is about to happen and yeah. nothing ever does, you know? And I think that that's a real flaw in making documentaries because, you know, if you think about the great documentaries, like early Errol Morris documentaries, right, or a million other things I can't think mm-hmm. of, you're telling an intimate story of a human life in a way that is like very arresting and it really puts you there and it's something you would never see otherwise. And I think all these streaming documentaries just want to be like dumbass cartoons or something, but yeah. they're documentaries. Like more know? of a remix of news that happened other than uh, an actual following a thread of a story. Yeah, it's like somewhere between like a real movie documentary and like an episode of hard copy, mm-hmm. you know? But it, it's also like it never quite delivers on it because they're all afraid to be too, too sensational. Or I don't know. It's just they're just they're organized in this way that's very muddled. You always feel kind of lost, and you always feel like, wait, who is who is this, and why is this happening? And like sometimes your question gets answered like way later, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess I understand now. Mm-hmm. But but that means for like most of the movie, you're thinking like, how in the world do they have the money to build a ship? And then at minute like fifty, they're like, oh yeah, and we were friends with this billionaire, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay. That's how they get all the money. Uh, uh, I did like how uh, that we don't know, like the whole time I'm thinking, are they a cult? Or are they not a cult? And the, the only time they really address that is uh, when they say like, where they talk about their funding and they said, sure, we were uh, doing all these crazy experiments, but we were also big capitalists. So I don't think that they were a cult to, to, uh, to assail everyone. Uh, they're not a cult. They're just uh, really, really good at being a small group. If anything, they could fund all this insane stuff that they were doing uh, because they were also good businessmen and actually had degrees. Uh, like he didn't just pull random art people up. Even he just pulled random scientists who happened to be artists or up. I mean, it was the seventies. Like all every, you know, mycologist is also like an experimental mime, <laughs> you know, in that aspect, it really did remind me of, uh, wild wild country like it has a lot of those kind of vibes to it because it's like this kind of hippie-ish this kind of vanished kind of artsy Mm -hmm. hippie thing uh from the 60s and 70s and that's what like their entire thing is about and then somehow they made a biosphere why Mm -hmm. it was i was the movie makes it seem like an idea that came up at like uh they did kind of like ted talks and somebody was like what if you built like a clay spaceship and then somehow that became a glass building in the desert there was uh, a line I like that John Allen himself said, like, uh, this isn't this is going to fail the first time. It's going to fail the seventh time they, we do it, which is like, oh, that's cool. Uh, but also, like, they only got to have really one crack at this from all the media coverage right. and all this stuff that it was just basically, oh, it, everyone considers it a failure just because uh, the task they were trying to do. Like, I mean, science is all trial and error and like you, they're just set out to do a bunch of errors. So, of course, well, they're going to look like a failure. I think they didn't do a good job. He says that to us, you know, and I don't know where that exact clip is from, if it's from a news report or something, but you get, you get the sense that they were over promising to the media. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. They, they, I mean, that is why people judged it that way is because they set it up that way because they wanted, cause they were like, Oh, we're going to do the world's biggest thing. And they're used to saying that about like, 
yeah, doing uh, a play behind uh, a little league field. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, it's the most amazing thing that ever happened. But then when they're saying it about this like $200 million artificial like ecosphere, people are like, oh, okay, interesting. You know, like people were taking them seriously and it didn't really, you know, they maybe shouldn't have. Yeah, uh, great intentions, but like just bit off way more than you And they got out of hand. Like if there was... It'd be nice if, like, leave the scientists alone. There actually is a Mr. Show sketch uh, about a biodome where it starts off as saying, leave the scientists alone. We're trying to work. Uh, and then it goes off into, you know, David Cross fucks an ox at one point in that sketch. That's cool. Um, so, I don't know. I might not be. I might be done with stuff about this movie. And we can just talk about the next movie, like, briefly, even sure. if we want to. We're just going to get it out of our system. I will say one more thing about Spaceship Earth. I really like the score. It's Owen Pallet, who also has a great album out right now. Uh, yeah. I didn't uh, know but it's a very, I, love, uh, I love Owen Pallet. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it really elevates uh, the uh, whole proceedings of, like, it, it's a very dramatic score. Almost like a little throwback 70s score uh, when movies had that. But, yeah. Cool score spaceship in Spaceship Earth. All right, so the next movie we're going to talk about, it's from 1996. It's called Biodome. This winter... Welcome to paradise! Holly Shore and Stephen Baldwin... Trick or treat! ...are doing whatever it takes... I feel like a duck-billed platypus. <laughs> ...to put the mental... <laughs> ...back in environmental... Well, could you at least make it taste like chicken? Otherwise, I'm going to shrivel up like a supermodel. <gasps> I am so fat. No, Nobody no, likes no, me. Beautiful. People didn't like me in high school. Biodome. Two burnouts lie to get out of an Earth Day event, only to find themselves locked in an experimental scientific enclosure for a year, all because they mistook it for a mall because one of them had to go pee. That's the movie. So ensues one of the more terrorizing cinematic acts in film history, Biodome. This is Pauly Shore, already burning out of his film career by 1986. Here he's pouring gas on any integrity a, quote, Pauly Shore vehicle has left. This is Stephen Baldwin, chasing away every ounce of goodwill he received after a pretty decent performance in The Usual Suspects. Totally burns all his goodwill away. I... Myself try to be look on the bright side of things, but after watching Biodome, uh, you know, fuck this movie. It's just inane insanity, man. Uh, I try to see if there's an art or an outsider perspective I could like put my wavelength on, but no, it's just 90s film executives being like, Polly Shore can carry a movie. Let this happen. Chris, let's go. Fuck me, man. Okay, yeah. So. I mean, obviously, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. It's, like, really hard to watch. Uh, I never even watched it when I was a little kid. This movie came out in 1996, so I would have been 14. But I was like, I'm not going to fucking see that. Like, that looks really stupid. So watching it was, like, really rough. I mean, it's one of the, like, Super rough most watch. poorly reviewed movies of all time. It's, like, one star on Amazon. I think it has, like, 1% or 2% on Rotten Tomatoes I mean, yeah, or something like, like that. In the single digits, yeah. It's in the single digits. Yeah, definitely. And, um... If you look at Pauly Shore movies like this is he did not make another movie after this. Like this is the this was the end of his career, <laughs> you know, like in a major way, this was the end of his career. 
because it didn't it did not make back its budget and his also his last movie had not made back its budget whereas his two movies before that were like pretty big hits and it was like okay this is this is it for this bullshit and i also think at the same time at the exact same time at the same years that paulie shore is like fizzling out like this so hard adam sandler is putting out happy gilmore and billy madison and it's like, well, why? No, you don't get to do this anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, fucking uh, Pauly Shore. Like, this is, you can't, because those movies are good. Like, I think those movies are good and hold up, like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. To compare those two, uh, like Adam Sandler uh, gives it up for his ensemble, too. Like, sure, he's the star and crazy, but you have, like, like Steve Buscemi pops up in that movie. Uh, his friends, Norm MacDonald's and Billy Madison. Uh, Shooter McGavin's great. Uh, he, like, makes the whole movie around. Whereas this is just like, everyone must pay attention to how ridiculous Polly Shore is beating. And sure. He has a co-star oh here. And for some reason, I can't believe that Stephen Baldwin is somehow in a way worse acting and more annoying than Polly Shore. Like Polly Shore is like purposely <laughs> that way where Stephen Baldwin's trying to match it, but is too slow at it. Well, so to like back up a tiny bit, like, like what you were saying before, um, so Biodome, it is, it's a kind of parody of the idea of the biosphere. Yes. And again, this came out in 1996. And this, so it's like pretty old at this point, the idea of the biosphere. And what I thought was remarkable right from the start is like, it's actually pretty faithful to what the biosphere yeah. is about. The Biodome, a pure self-contained environment where five scientists are about to be sealed off from every conceivable form of contamination. And it's like they have the location of it looks almost exactly like the real biosphere. Um, the uniforms that the biospherians wear look almost exactly like their real uniforms. They give this little video beforehand, like to set up, you know, do, do some exposition. And it's very similar to just watching Spaceship Earth. <laughs> like it's like, oh, yes, this is. And I was just shocked at how um, seriously the movie was taking the concept of the biodome at that point. Mm -hmm. it, it, but then, like, it basically it immediately cuts to Polly Shore. Then they cut to Polly Shore hitting his friend with a book, and as yeah, they're sitting on the couch, like, and they chew each other's toenails. <laughs> they chew each other's toenails. It's so gross. Oh my god! And like every time they're talking for the first like thirty or forty minutes of the movie, just like pop punk is playing in the background, <laughs> like just like mm -hmm. at a really low level, but just to like kind of set the vibe, which is yeah, like horrible. The fucking funniest thing. Uh, uh, I have some good things to say about it, which I could. It'll take me a second to say it. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I could go into how bad it is, but I'll try to be nice to it for this little couple second. Uh, sure, and that yeah. uh, is uh, the great Taylor Negron is in this movie. He's a character actor. Uh, you might, his most famous thing might be the pizza guy in fast times at Ridgemont high, but he pops up man. he is in so much. He's been on Seinfeld. He's a big part. In, yeah, in he has a pretty big too, part in this movie. Right? And I laugh. I genuinely laughed at his lines in this movie. Uh, like they were funny. He was funny. In this yeah. Movie. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, he would always pop up in like uh, the worst teen sitcoms. And I remember watching, uh, there was a TV show. It was the second vehicle for the Olsen twins. It was called So Little Time. It was from the early 2000s. But he was uh, like the be kooky best friend in it of like the parents. And he was so fucking funny on that show. I remember like, I was, it was 2001. I'm the, the Olsen twins age. I was, I'm a demographic. But I remember being like, 
not telling anyone I watched the show, but when I found out other people watched it, I was like, oh, I could talk about that show. <laughs> <laughs> it was like your first experience of that. Wow, Caleb, <laughs> uh, And also uh, another great thing about this movie, uh, and I actually uh, remembered this and uh, maybe in a way validates existence. Uh, Tenacious D has a cameo in the background. Oh my God, dude. When I heard Jack Black's voice yeah. singing, because you don't see him at first, I was like, is that fucking Jack Black? That is definitely Jack Black. I cannot fucking... And then they cut to it and it was it was the D. It was the Kyle D. was there Kyle too. Was there, yeah. Uh, and they wrote that song specially for this movie. And that song, uh, oh uh, The Five Needs, it's a fucking great song. They didn't release it on the uh, first album. But uh, that was like a big hit with uh, their fan group because it's such a dumb, hilarious, smart song. Uh, the five needs are uh, earth, air, you need the love. <laughs> and then the fifth need is to rock your world. Did I get them all? <laughs> uh, it's a very, very cool song. And they actually just released it for the first time uh, for Earth Day this year in 2020. So oh, really? yeah, there's your full circle. <laughs> I did love seeing Tenacious D in this movie. And like Jack Black is so young and attractive mm-hmm. in this movie. And I was like, oh shit, I forgot that he used to look like yeah, this. Yeah, the Jackal. Uh, yeah, great, great, great young actor. Yeah. Good, man. I'm good. Um, it's interesting that you bring up Taylor Negron because this is the other thing I wanted to say about this movie. What my sense about what's going on in this movie, okay, is that there, despite what it seems like, I think there is a real script and I think there is a real plot to this movie. Okay. Yeah. And I think they went into production with like, a, like they were going to make a movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when there are scenes without Polly Shore, which there actually are kind of a lot for a movie like this. Um, you're seeing that movie. You're seeing like the characters are all interacting with each other on the same level. They're like moving the story forward, you know, and it's not like fantastic, but it's, it's kind of good. There's some funny parts, you know? Um, but then what's happening, what Pauly Shore and Stephen Baldwin are doing is they're not like doing improv per se. They're just like acting like they think their lines are stupid. Like, yeah. Like instead of saying like, can I, like, can I have a drink? He'd be like, and he's like waving his arms around, you know, and just like shifting from one foot to another, but like not, but like not really committing to it either. Like you can almost see him like looking to Stephen Baldwin, like, Oh, isn't this fucking stupid what I'm doing? And then you're like, well, what the fuck is he kidding around? Or is he not kidding around? It's like, yeah, they just think what's going to be funny is like them acting stupid. It's but like, it's not, it's not, it's not funny. (laughs) You know, I was like, you would hope there is like some warped slapstick to, I don't know, it's Polly Shore's fourth movie. Like we get him by now, but maybe he's like leaning into it more. Uh, and maybe he's like trying to like create this uh, cohesive idea of what he, uh, of Polly Shore vehicle has become. And maybe he did, maybe that's why it's bad. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I would say Tom Green did this in Freddy Got Fingered, which I think is a kind of a good movie that hits like some weird art, uh, like beyond film thing. But with Biodome, there's, nothing here to be misunderstood or look more into it's all surface level and it demonizes its own points from its own central themes like biodome there uh there like you said there's a plot about a biodome they're actually trying to do good stuff for the earth uh and like at the end they do it's like yeah we learned that mother nature is important like they say that but like no they don't like they they like uh the logic here is so dumb uh like there is like uh, a story and that probably goes away after the first half hour. Uh, Cause they're just dudes trying to get laid or hook up, but not really. Then they throw a party and then they feel bad. And so they help out. 
It's fucking ridiculous, dude. It's like really bad. Like honestly, like I'm all up for like a stupid '90s movie, but like this movie is, like, this is beyond really stupid. Bad. Uh, like stupid is it does a disservice to the word stupid. You have to like really dig deeper into the banality to really accurately describe how absolutely asinine this movie is. Uh, it's all yeah. colors. And Kylie and, Minogue uh, is in sounds. it. Like I love Kylie Minogue. Minogue. Yeah, uh, Henry Gibson's in it. The great. Uh, he's super funny when he wants to be. Henry Gibson's great in Nashville. Uh, the Nazi and Blues Brothers. Uh, William Atherton plays the lead scientist. Uh, William Atherton, who was the uh, antagonist dick guy in Ghostbusters. Uh, there's good actors yeah. in this but movie. But then, like, the main characters do a sexual assault, like, 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Like, and then, yeah. The yeah. Don't when they just crawl into beds of these women, and they're like, huh-huh. And it kind, they kind of make it look like they're sticking their hands down their pants, like, a little bit, but, like, not 100%. But it's like, <laughs> oh, what, what, a, what a bunch of crazy kids i guess you know like it's like no that was a sexual assault that's like really not cool (laughs) and then like really it's just uh, a couple lines and then they do a montage and then a couple more lines and then another montage uh like they're in the biodome for a year uh i would say uh eight ten months of that is a montage like montage through (laughs) (laughs) it's fucking ridiculous uh you just turn on that pop punk and you just cut between a bunch of stuff and then there you go dude that's that's eight months it's and they swear and uh they do they do drugs at one point they get high on nitrous oxide and don't act any different because that they're already high all the time i guess uh but it's a movie that's like so dumb and childish it's like meant for kids and like stoner teens but it's a hard r rating so it makes they're not going to see it in theaters i don't know i don't know man I don't know, dude. I don't know, right? I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I don't know, man. Like, come on. Like, what is going on with this fucking movie? I mean, it was a yeah. flop and everyone hates it. You know? I mean, some yeah. people our age, I think, do like it, actually. I think it's yeah. like people look at it as like, oh, like, oh, yeah, that dumb movie Biodome. But like, no, 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 no. Hey, like, people are like weird stoners. Like, oh, I like that movie. It's, a, it's their personality, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so uh, in reading about doing the minimalist research I can about <laughs> Biodome for this podcast. Uh, Stephen Baldwin uh, says it's uh, one of his come to God movements. Stephen Baldwin currently devout Christian, uh, but he says uh, that bio, he was meant to do Biodome. God, it's God's will that he did Biodome. <laughs> Oh God, I thought you were going to say that it was a come to God moment because he was like felt he had debased himself so much that he realized he had to turn his life around. But no, no, he says <laughs> that uh, it's great that he did it. Uh, he doesn't regret doing it because uh, a lot of uh, kids, young people come up to him and say, oh, you were in Bi- recognize him from Biodome. Uh, and then he can witness to them about God. So imagine I would pay to see that scene. I'm just being like, dude, it's that dude from the thing where he, uh, uh, I'm trying to think uh, of an actual scene in this movie, such as uh, he forces a fart out, and oh, he's they're farting, and he's naming the food that's being farted out. Yes, uh, yes, yes. There's also a then, scene like there's a hev- there's a heavily undertone of like him and Polly Shore are like also fucking each other. Like they really like make you want to think that to the point where they they act one time like they are literally about to fuck, and that's then then they they like cut yeah. to black. So imagine well, being a weird, fan, right? Like, yeah. Why? Imagine being a fan of this inane movie, uh, and thinking about like how like how I get like in a stupid, ironic way or whatever, and then telling that to the star, and then him telling you about Jesus Christ. 
Oh, no, that's, a that's like a perfect experience. That's like a fucking <laughs> perfect experience. <laughs> so, you know, thank God yeah, for Biodome. I don't know. I think that's, I think that's pretty much all I got to say about Biodome. Yeah, man. Uh, we're just not even worth doing the actual best choice because Spaceship Earth wins by default here. I mean, it definitely does. It's definitely not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, if you're going to compare it to Biodome, yes. <laughs> yes. Compared to yeah. Biodome, yes. It's streaming on Hulu. It's free. Put it on. Fall asleep halfway through. You're not missing anything. Mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and if you really want to like enjoy this podcast, watch both of them back to back. Uh, and have your like it really was like a whiplash of a back to back movie watch of just being like what the fuck man like I was actually sitting down thinking actively watching Spaceship Earth and trying to like get this information then Biodome just like oh my god I need to like turn off my brain right now because I, I can't think during this movie <laughs> it challenged- never have I, che- I literally never have I checked my phone more <laughs> during a movie than during Biodome like you just cannot like you can't look at it you know what I mean it's like a it's like a sacred object like you can't take it in all at once because it just will turn your fucking brain it off. melts man it's a brain melter yeah. maybe that's its point melter, maybe yeah. we misinterpreted Biodome I hope the Biodome fans come at us now Hey, I would love for any fans to watch this. That would be great. Anybody, if you want to argue with me or whatever, it's cool. Spaceship Earth documentary fans coming at us too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So is that the show for this week? That's tis the sheer. Tight, dude. Uh, thanks so much for coming, guys. I can't believe we watched fucking Biodome. Yeah, it was like one of the worst things I've ever done. It really was. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, bye. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Okay, this is going to sound very rude, and I'm going to cut this part out, but remind me again what you were just talking about, because I was was distracted for a second, and I have something to really say about it, but I totally forgot what we were talking about.